What's up, guys? And welcome back to the Sport Business Discovery, the podcast where you get to discover a new expert from the industry every episode. And today on the show, I have the pleasure to have Nate Bell, who's director of new business development for the Columbus Blue Jackets. So to talk a bit about him, uh, at first, he uh, graduated from the State University of New York at Coraline, so in uh, the state of New York, but not in New York City itself. It's quite actually far away from the city, uh, with a Bachelor of Science majoring in sports management. And he also did a minor in communication. Um, he had some interesting internship in his career that we're going to talk about later on with the Pittsburgh Pirates and also with Syracuse University. He then joined back the Pirate for an inside sales uh, representative job and he became account executive in new business development. So um, actually, I think it was the first time there was more specifically in this department. And then later on in 2018, he joined the Blue Jackets uh, as a manager in new business development. And now he's director of that department. So that's about it for the introduction. Before we start right away, guys, I just want uh, to invite you to subscribe, leave a comment, uh, let me know what you think, positive or negative critique, I think whatever you, you have, always, I'm always looking for ways to be better. And you can also leave a five-star review, whether being an Apple podcast or on Spotify. Uh, if you feel like it's it, it, you have to give a five-star, if it's more three-star, then I'll know that I'll, I'll have to modify something to, to get better after. So yeah, it's just the best way to help me keep inviting some good guests for you. So it's a great way, great uh, win-win ratio. And uh, without further ado, we'll jump to the episode. So please welcome Nate Bell. Nate, how are you doing? I'm great. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to stay warm. I'm uh, outdoor. I'm in, I'm in the, uh, the bowl of our arena right now. Found a nice quiet place during our work hours. So um, we've got a game tomorrow. We've got a game on Friday. Uh, so it's going to be a busy Thanksgiving week for us, but I'm um, excited to be here, excited to chat with you. Yeah, for sure. And actually, quick question, the, on, on those holidays, is it the, the time that you like uh, like uh, working? Do you see it maybe as a disadvantage? Like maybe you don't have like the time off that everybody has or because it's kind of like not actually special games, but not actually the same context as the other game. It's, it's some fun thing too. Yeah, every league has its pros and cons. Uh, working in the NBA, NHL, uh, even the NFL, you're going to have those holiday games or games around the holidays. Um, so yeah, you've got to be ready to make that sacrifice. The uh, we got you know having games around Wednesday and then Friday. You know that's the sandwich right around the Thanksgiving uh -huh. holiday in the U.S. Um, so my family's coming to me this year. My wife's family's coming here, so that we can have at least a day to celebrate. Uh, around the Christmas holiday in December, we have games on, I believe, the 20th, the 19th or 20th, and then the 27th. So we've got a nice little okay. buffer there. The thing I like about it is that I like to vacation in the summertime. So when things uh -huh. are a little bit slower in the summertime, you know, June, July, August, I have a little bit more downtime and can, you know, take advantage of that opportunity. So you could look at it any way you want. You know, in, in baseball, when I worked in baseball, more time off around the winter holidays, but we were really busy in the summer and it was harder to get away. So pros and cons to each sport 
Yeah, exactly. All right. So when I did your introduction, I mentioned that you interned with the the Pirates, so what you just speak about with baseball, and also Syracuse University. So I was wondering, how did you feel in those two internships? How did you feel like maybe uh, the first week there, how it was entering in, and what are maybe uh, the main differences between working in more college athletics and more MLB? Yeah, so the um, I actually interned with the Pirates first, and that was mm-hmm. a pretty specific internship. It was um, with the ticket sales and service team, so all of my responsibilities were very focused around uh, sales activities and you know learning the, the ins and outs around new business development, group sales, um, service and retention, uh, customer service, those types of things. Obviously, you know, the differences of the sport itself, I think, you know, we know that we just talked about the rotations of the season that was during the summertime. Uh, the, the stark difference there is that we had to manage across different properties, multiple, um, you know, teams, multiple varsity teams mm-hmm. it, uh, with Syracuse. So you have to be a little nimble and you have to be able to, um, you know, pivot quickly to talk about football tickets versus basketball tickets versus men's lacrosse. And there's opportunity there where you can, you know, sell one fan multiple things. So a season ticket holder for basketball can be a season ticket holder for football. Mm. So there's a lot of opportunity to grow, upsell within your current book of business. You know, Syracuse is a much, much smaller market than Pittsburgh. It uh, There are no professional sports teams in, in uh, Syracuse. The university kind of is the pro team. Similar to here in Columbus, you know, Ohio State, although they're a college team, they're, you know, in terms of revenue and crowd sizes, they do better than some professional teams. So I'm used to that here, too. But kind of treating the, although it was a collegiate team, treating them like a a pro sport and a pro team. Um, And then just being nimble to be able to, you know, talk to different, speak to different fans in different ways. Whereas, you know, in baseball, we were really all in on on the Pirates and they're, you know, of course, there's other pro teams there, but we were um, just focused on that one property. Yeah. And did you have a preference in between the two? Or you yeah, find just, it like... It'd be, it'd be tough to pick one over the other. I think just different is a is a good way to look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there are things I really loved about some things and, um, you know, it was different on the other side. So give you an example, baseball... It's so out of your control in terms of the weather and, you know, there's no roof on your building and there's no clock on the game. So, you know, in baseball, you could have a two hour rain delay game doesn't start until 8 PM. And if that game goes into extra innings, you might be there till one or two in the morning. Um, That's a worst case scenario, of course. But, um, you know, one thing in uh, everything in Syracuse, uh, whether it was basketball or football um, and the men's and women's sports, they're all indoors uh, because it's a Uh dome. Uh, even the even the football team plays in a dome in upstate New York, and um, there's a clock on it, right? So you know you know yeah. when the game is going to end. It's a lot more predictable. So I've I've really enjoyed that. I'm a very process oriented person, so knowing exactly when things are going to happen and when things are going to end is easier to plan for. Um, you've got to be a little bit more agile in baseball when um, things out of your control, like the weather or the conditions of the field, actually play a factor in, in the sport. So. That's something that people love about baseball. It gives it a little bit of magic. It's that um, summertime, outdoor, you know, all-American type of sport. Every stadium's different. You know, the parameters of the field varies from stadium to stadium. 
you know, that's not the case in hockey or football. You know, it's 100 yards in football. The ice is regulation NHL ice is regulation NHL ice. Um, but in baseball, all the fields are different sizes. So, no, I wouldn't be able to choose one over the other. Um, I was I was young and excited just to be part of each one. And um, to this day, I still really value a lot of the uh, experiences that I had at each one. Mm -hmm. And I think you gave a great piece of advice there, guys. If you're an individual, I guess, kind of me, kind of like you, that likes to like have a lot of things planned, that likes to have control over, I guess, the, the majority of things that, that you can have, then I don't say don't try baseball, but maybe think about the fact that you're going to have like less controllables than if you're in a sport like hockey, like football, like basketball, where there's a clock, like you just mentioned. So I think definitely something uh, that you guys should remember. And after, when you came back with the Pirates uh, finishing university, you had the chance to start in new business development. And one thing that I like with the first call I had with you is you really explained to me what were the different uh, department in uh, sales. So could you explain to the audience uh, what are the different departments, uh, depending on which team, because some team were grouped them together and whatever, but in general and what maybe each of them implies? Yeah, sure thing. So in ticket sales, um, in general, this is how it worked in Pittsburgh with the Pirates. And this is similar to Columbus. We have within ticket sales, we have three major departments uh, or some people will call them verticals. Um, we have groups, group sales, which focuses on bringing lots of people out to one game at a time. So they're focusing on getting groups of 10 or more, but oftentimes groups of hundreds or even thousands of people to come and join an event at a game. Um, mm -hmm. So we have some folks here. So they're think of them more as event planners where they're spending a lot of time to put in, you know, a, a three hour, you know, game or a five hour experience um, in baseball that may involve a experience on the field. It may involve a first pitch. It may involve something during, um, you know, an inning break. Here in Columbus, it often revolves around theme nights. So we have Star Wars night. We had Grateful Dead night uh, over the weekend. We have Educator night, First Responders. Um, you get it, right? So there's you know, maybe a thousand people or 500 people all coming to just one game to be a part of that one event. New business development, the column that I fall under that I oversee is focused on bringing out new season ticket holders. So, um, you know, our business, while we'd love to you know, uh, have a hundred percent renewal rate every year. That's not realistic for any business anywhere. Um, you're never going to bring back a hundred percent of your customers every single year. There's going to be attrition. So if you never replace the folks that leave your book of business, your season ticket holder base is going to shrink every year. So our department is responsible for replacing what we lose. And then also growing the base, right? We're never going to get more uh -huh. season ticket holders if we never go out and hunt for them. Um, some teams around the league, you know, some of the NFL teams that are really well established, some NHL teams in Canada, they have wait lists where they do kind of just have season ticket holders or prospective season ticket holders lining up, uh, you know, and, and they're waiting years and decades to hopefully get season tickets. Um, the majority of teams are not in those situations. So they have sales staffs that have to be here to hunt and find new buyers. And, and that's the, uh, the column of the business that I oversee. Last piece within ticket sales is 
service and retention, they're focused on bringing season ticket holders back year over year. So we strive for, you know, as close to 100% as we can get. Um, the less attrition we have, the easier it is to grow the base every year. If you're losing a huge portion of your, your base, it's going to be really hard. You're going to have to not only sell that back to just maintain, you have a bigger gap to make up on the new sales side. So that's just within ticket sales. That's the world that I know that I've been working in for eight years. Within our industry and our, our company here, we have, of course, corporate partnerships, marketing, legal, finance, hockey operations. I could go on and on. But th- those are the subgroups of our of our the ticket sales world. Mm-hmm. And just to make sure that the audience understand right the the connection between the department, that means that if your service and retention have a hard time or does poorly, that's going to have more job for your department, right? And more people to reach out to have some new uh, season ticket holder. Correct. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, okay. you got it. So think think about it this way. You know, if you had. 5,000 season ticket accounts, you know, 5,000, not just seats, but just people, 5,000 season ticket holders, even if you renewed them at 90%, which by most accounts would be a a great percentage, you know, that's going to be 10% of your people. That's 500 people in this example that you're losing every single year. My team would have to go find 500 new buyers just to get back to where we were the year before. And if we want to grow the base, which is always the goal, we'd have to sell 501 or, or 600 or 700 accounts to get that number to grow, right? So it all starts with the retention piece of it. If you can't retain your business and keep folks year over year, you're never going to grow. So it starts there. And then we, of course, come in and, and layer it on top. And hopefully the goal, the long-term goals for our organization, as as I'm sure almost all of them, is, is to continuously grow that number, eventually to get to a point where you're sold out for every game and you can build a wait list. That, you know, some things out of our control, the team on the ice, the sentiment around the team, some of that, you know. The weather for some nights or depending the sports too. Yeah, so we need a little bit of that to help, um, but a lot of it is within our control and uh, that's what we focus on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when you did your inside sales uh, representative job with the Pirates, were you like in one of those departments specifically or it was more you, you could learn about? All of those really good questions so the uh inside sales which by the way is somewhat of an antiquated term inside you know in a business very basic business sense inside sales means that you are actually just inside your building and you never leave so all of your communications with your clients would just happen phone email text but not a lot of face-to-face The opposite is outside sales, where you're never within a building and you're just traveling around locally or domestically or globally to visit with your clients at their location or you're going to them. Those two terms are just old school business terms that aren't really applicable to the sports industry any longer. When in the 90s, when sports teams identified the need to have business development efforts, they started by hiring inside sales and basically having people pick up a phone book and just call everybody in the phone book asking them if they wanted to buy season tickets. Then there was the advent of the internet and data capture, <laughs> and now we're a lot smarter about how we go yeah. about it. But that that term has kind of been hanging around for the last 30 plus years. So I had to get that out of the way. Um, so when I started at Inside Sales with the Pirates, that group does fall under new business development. Okay. So out of those three group sales, new business development, service and retention, 
it does fall under new business development because that's the primary focus of an inside sales rep is to bring in new season ticket holders. The cool thing about inside sales is that while it does fall under that group, they are programmed in as part of the, um, the experience you're programmed in to touch all three of those areas. Because when we're looking to fill seats at that senior level in group sales or new business development or service and retention, we're going to look at inside sales to promote from within. So those folks, we want to make sure they get some experience selling groups. They're certainly going to become experts at selling season tickets. We also want to give them some experience with servicing accounts. So over the course of their time here, as they grow and become a, you know, expert salesperson, they could potentially move into any one of those three areas based on their passions and their skill set. So, you know, the analogy that, you know, somewhat fits is kind of like a, a farm team, if you will. I don't love that because I think that kind of, you know, I don't, I don't like to categorize and separate. Uh-huh. Here we are inside sales group, or as we call it here, our ticket sales consultants. They're a full-time part of the team, just like anybody else. We don't designate them or, you know, they're not junior sales reps, nothing like that. I mean, they're full-time just like everyone else, but it is a learning program. It's built to uh, teach people that may not have any sales experience how to sell. We talk a lot about fundamentals. There's constant, you know, daily, weekly, monthly trainings throughout their time in that role. Um, so the goal is to build up their skills. And then ultimately, if we have any availability uh, or openings in those three areas to promote from within our ticket sales consultant group uh, to fill. So absolutely, you know, yes, it does have an area, but the idea is to get them to be a well-rounded uh, sales expert. Okay, very interesting. And you in your job, are you participating like more directly in this learning process? Or are you do focusing some on some other tasks? Because guys, if you don't know, there's not really like a, a, a current day to day in sports, people do tons of things different. So are these like in the, the things that come back sometimes or in your, your main task or you're, you're more having somebody that takes care of the, the development, actually this development program, but these, these people and what they're doing. Yeah. So as far as how that works for my responsibilities, as a director of the department, I have my responsibilities are twofold. Half of my job is the uh, behind the scenes stuff. So that's strategy, planning, you know, meetings, the, the, the kind of behind the scenes stuff. So thinking about, okay, how the heck are we going to sell, you know, 500 new season ticket accounts this year or whatever the number might be. So are we going to host events? What, what products are we going to sell? What prices are they? What benefits do they come with? Like all of that planning and strategy that happens behind closed doors. That's half one half of my job. The other half of my job is the people management side. So I have five account executives that report directly to me. And those are our heavy hitter salespeople. So they have all come through our ticket sales consultant program, been top performers, proven that they can sell at a high level. And then they were promoted to the account executive role. So they report directly to me. So I manage five salespeople directly. Also under my column within the group, I have a manager of new business development. And that was my former role when I came to Columbus. Uh, His name's Noah. And Noah oversees 10 ticket sales consultants. And and that's that entry level group. So I'm responsible for all of it. That's 16 folks Uh um, that fall under that piece of our business. 
Um, but we do have a manager in Noah that oversees it. And the way I like to describe Noah's role is he has a little bit of involvement in the strategy and the behind the scenes stuff like I do, but he's really a people manager. So think about like, it's like a really old school example, but think about like a player coach. Like if it was a hockey team, if you didn't have a head coach on the bench and you just made your team captain, the head coach. Yeah. Manager, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. and one of the best players on the team. So Noah is really in it with the sales reps. He's going on meetings. He's having dozens of conversations a day about how to approach certain prospects, how to get deals done. He does biweekly meetings about sales strategy, individually, one-on-one with each rep. So he's really there to help them learn, grow, and get deals done. And he's training a lot too. So he's doing a week or two of onboarding before the reps ever actually start, you know, doing their daily responsibilities. He's doing monthly follow-ups. Um, so he's really a big piece of his job is the recruiting, hiring of those reps and then training them once they're here and throughout their time here. I have some involvement with it, but I have, of course, Noah, our manager, to, to help with that. And is he helping you also with the recruiting process within your department when, when you do have some new people coming in? He is, yeah. I mean, you know, one thing I really uh, make an effort to, and I, I am proud of this, is that I really try to get kind of in the weeds with some of these people and I really um, try to build relationships. So when we do have promotions or positions ready um, and we want to promote internally, I, I'd like to think I, you know, can more or less handpick who would, would fit and who wouldn't fit prior to even the position being available, you know, and they've, they've been here for however long, you know, months, years. Um, I think it's part of my job to have enough of a relationship and to understand their career trajectory and their ambitions enough to know, but um, absolutely Noah's very, very, very in touch with them as well, even to a higher degree than myself. Um, so yeah, I mean, if somebody was ready to be promoted and I had some ideas or concerns about what their future might look like, I would go to him and we'd have a conversation and he would give me an inside scoop uh, beyond probably what I've seen um, just in, in my relationship with them. Okay, great. And if we follow uh, back to your, your career um, a bit prior on, how did you find out that you wanted to work in sales? You, you spoke about other departments before. Did you ever have the, had the idea to um, work in another or you were in sales and you were like, no, this is cool. This is what I'm going to do and let's get into it. Yeah, this I think actually, I, I hope I can provide an answer that may give some folks out there some, some young folks, some clarity on how to find yourself in your career. Um, I had no idea what I wanted to do, even by the time I was a junior in college. I was doing well in school. Um, I had a job with the intramural sports program. So I was involved with sports on campus to some degree on the management side. Um, I was enjoying my sport management degree and my, my classes, but still didn't really know where I saw myself upon graduation uh, until I did my internship with the Pirates. And what really, where, where I really started to make my decision was the folks that worked in sales and ticket sales, specifically on the business development side, were a lot like me. And I'm not talking about, you know, what they looked like or where they were from or their gender. I'm talking about their profile as a person. So the people mm -hmm. that you know, they were a look-alike in the sense that they had the same values that I did. They had the same sense of humor that I did. 
They had the same ambitions that I did. They like to have fun in the same ways that I like to have fun. Um, similar work ethic. So when I saw, I kind of saw myself in a lot of those people and I was hoping that they would see a lot of me in them. And so that was an easy way for me to say, okay, I, I'm not sure if this is where I see myself long-term, but right now these are the types of people I want to be around. These people are like me. Um, so I, uh, I took a, I took a shot with that. You know, I got, I got that experience through my internship and then when I, upon graduation, I had the uh, privilege to rejoin the Pirates in an inside sales role. And I had gotten to know a lot of the inside sales reps uh, during my internship. And they were really similar to me. A lot of former athletes, a lot of uh, ambitious. They liked money. They liked being a team player. They were good, honest, hardworking people. And I thought, well, if those people are like me and they're doing it and they're having fun, I think I want to give it a shot. And it might not be forever. But I think that's a good place to start with a first job out of college. Yeah, for sure. And this is really interesting. Actually, it was for also my next question. So digging a bit more in the individual side, what do you think is maybe one quality that you had since you were a kid that helped you get all the way to the point that you're now? And hopefully the audience can, can relate um, to it or think of something that they have that can help them later on their career. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's where it all starts. I think we focus too much on when we're looking like, the, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. We, st we, don't, we don't look at ourselves and our skills and our passions. We look at the job and see if we would fit for the job, but that's, you're doing it backwards there. You don't look at the job mm -hmm. and then try to decide if you would fit you look at yourself and identify really basic, nothing crazy, just basic characteristics about yourself. And then you look for things that fit you. So here's, so here's an example. I really liked being around people. I like talking. I like listening. I like fun. I like fast pace. I like competition. I like winning. I hate losing and I could go on and on, but those are really basic characteristics of a human or a college kid. And that's where I started to try to put that together. Okay. Where can I take, where can I take that to, you know? And, um, I like structure. I like rules. I like loyalty, like just, just general concepts. And so wh where can I apply that? You know, well, I don't think I'd be a very good police officer because I would spend the whole day by myself in a vehicle. Um, I, I need to be around other people. I need to talk. I need to listen and I need to socialize. So that's a, that's a requirement for, for a job for me. The cool thing is you may not realize all of those, those things happening um, or those characteristics that you have until you get out in the workforce and just go for it. So the Pirates internship really gave me an opportunity to start identifying those things. Then when I went to Syracuse and interned there, it kind of reaffirmed for me, okay, here I'm seeing people that are loyal, people that are fast-paced, people that have good sense of humor, people that love to compete. Okay, so this is a common thread in sports sales. Okay, maybe I can continue to take a shot on this, right? So um, that would be, that's just my piece of advice there. Um, you know, we're so... 
we're so backward thinking, I think, and look at the job posting and then think, see if I could do it. Look at you first. What, what am I like? What do I, how am I characterized? And then, you know, match those to you. And there's resources out there. I, I think I've taken way back in the day. I think I took some tests or some assessments in, in high school when I was trying to find out where I was going to go to college that kind of went through some of those things, like picking a major. So, so that school of thought is out there. I just don't think it's nearly as common or as widespread as it should be. Yeah, for sure. I think you did the perfect thing when you arrive with the pirates in looking at the people and like you said, that they were like you or similar. And then you, you, you found that it may be something interesting to go in. So guys, if you're, let's say, if you hear all those jobs, sports or, or not sports, just try to see Try to know yourself first so you, you you can know some basics that can help you later on. And after, look at the job and don't look at it right away. And let's say, uh, look, I don't know what, even inside sales representative job that, that just like you did. Don't like go in this posting if you don't know what you want to do. If you're sure that it's what you want to do, then sure, go out and go for the skills that, that you need. But don't directly go and oh i want to be like that and i i've got to reach this 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 because you're probably going to end up that you didn't really want that and you wanted more the recognition that goes with the position or um the feeling or the salary or whatever it could be well if you look more at the people the environment and how you are as a person you'll find yourself in maybe it's going to take you longer to find than if you would just pick point a job and say, okay, I'm going to do that, 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 that. But I think you're going to be way happier and you're going to find yourself in a thousand times better environment than if you, you, you pick something that you're not sure, but you're like, mm, this is going to be me, but you don't really look at yourself. You're more like, this is the image I want to me to be later on so just look at where you are yourself now what are your basic qualities just like nate spoke about and then find uh, a job that could maybe suit your needs or or something like that um like don't necessarily see it as uh, a big thing like it's cool to have big objectives and stuff but you don't uh, like be careful to not forget yourself in the process and just think of the future Think of the present also sometimes. All right. So one analogy that you told me before that I think is super great is how, speaking about the career in sports, how the career in sports is similar to a sports or a hockey career. So actually, what do you think are the, the key components of a sportsman's career or maybe the, 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 the footstep that you need to take in? or some key events. I think you're understanding what, what, what I'm trying to say. And uh, if you want to dig into those a lot, you can. Uh, we have the time for that. Yeah, I think, you know, again, I'll take this and, and uh, specify that this is applicable to sports sales. I, I don't feel confident enough in speaking for the industry as a whole because I've, I've been in it for eight years, but I've been in sales the entire time. So. Mm-hmm. You and know, there's so I'll, many things to do, right? Also, so there's so many different jobs, so you, you cannot say for all of them. Yeah, and and you know, going back to the discussion we just had around your your skills and your characteristics, there's a different skill set and a different persona depending on what department you're in. 
you know, the folks that work in our, our marketing group are not customer facing. So while they're around a lot of coworkers and there's a lot of collaboration, they never have to deal very rarely will they have to deal with a customer or a stakeholder face to face. Um, that's where we come in. You know, we're the front line, we're the faces of the organization. We have, you know, we interact with dozens of clients on a daily basis, text, phone call, email, or face to face meetings. So totally different skill sets right there. So yeah, um, I'll, I'll just kind of speak to this in a sports sales sense. I think two things that really jump out to me. Let's first talk about that competitive spirit and that love to win, hate to lose kind of mentality. Um, that's really important. And we see a lot of former athletes in sports sales or sales in general um, because they want to they have that competitive spirit and they want to carry on that competition and they want to have the ability to win and they want to be um, deterred by the the fear of losing um, or failing, and and that can be a really motivating factor. So, you know, our our business we have a ton of quantifiable metrics in our day to day. So, we are tracking daily activities for our entire sales team. So, activities being phone calls, emails, texts, appointments. We're tracking all of that on a daily basis. And we're comparing really or ranking or stacking all of our sales reps up against each other. And these are all live, what we call a hustle board, uh, right in the computer. So anytime you make a call or you send an email or you do a meeting, it's all being updated live based off of your activities in, in your you know, record keeping software on your computer. So um, that's just on a daily basis. Then we have a physical board in our office that shows everyone's sales numbers, their revenue from number one to 30. And, you know, if you move up a spot, we're going to take your nameplate off the board, magnetic nameplate, and we're going to move it up a spot and we're going to move the person that was there down a spot. And so those types of things physically and metaphorically exist in our business on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. So that, that right there, bodes really well for the former athlete, right? They're used to winning, they're used to competing, they're used to seeing their stats, they're, there's recognition involved with that, there's wins, there's losses, there's failures. So um, that's it's a really great area for um, the competitive spirit type of folks. So that's part number one. Part number two is furthering the analogy of, you know, a hockey team or, or a sports team. There is a place for individual accomplishments and there's a really important place for team accomplishments. So, you know, our star forward, Johnny Goudreau, I believe he has seven goals on the year. He's leading our team in goals. You know, I'm sure Johnny's very proud of that. And that matters for, you know, his status as a free agent someday, or maybe hitting a bonus in his contract or proving that he's worth the salary we're paying him. So there's, you know, there's there's merit to the individual stats. But if you ask Johnny Gaudreau what's most important to him as a hockey player, 10 out of 10 times he's going to tell you winning and winning a Stanley Cup is the utmost priority. He could score 100 points a year, you know, 50 goals a season. I'm sure he'd be happy about that, but it wouldn't it would pale in comparison to winning a Stanley Cup. And that's what 99% of athletes are going to tell you. And that's how we operate here as a sales team, too. You know, there is a time and place and there's recognition and incentives for individual accomplishments. 
But the biggest celebrations and the best feelings that you'll get as a salesperson is when you're winning as a team. So we have team goals, um, revenue, new season tickets sold, group tickets sold, renewals. Um, We have team goals that are shared widely and often talked about. And uh, we review pacing towards those goals and we try to get ahead. And when we fall behind, we try to figure out why. And those things are are what's what are most important to me. And I'd like to think and I'm confident that uh, the majority of our staff here, if not everyone, thinks and operates the same way. And so that's where the analogy with a sports team really comes into play is everybody here is one player on a team and we'll incentivize you and we'll reward you for individual accomplishments. But the ultimate goal and as a leader here, my ultimate goal is to have the team win and to hit our team goal. And so you've got to find people that fit in that mold, you know, and there's traps as a salesperson that you can fall into when you're really concerned about yourself and you're really looking about individual accomplishments a little too much. Mm-hmm. And if, if it becomes selfish, you can hurt the, you can damage your team. So, um, you know, we're always looking for individuals that like to achieve at a high level individually, but they're also keeping their eyes on the prize of the greater picture. And that's winning as a team. Those are our top performers. And those are, that's the kind of culture that we uh, try to and have done a really good job of fostering here at, at the Blue Jackets on our ticket sales team. Yeah, for sure. And just like a player who plays selfish, let's say in the game of hockey, it's not going to help the team. Same thing. So if you're somebody that is listening, would you know that you kind of like love this duality between the competitive environments, both within with your teammates and with other teams, you can compare the, the sales department, let's say, of the Blue Jackets to the ones to the Bruins. But you also love the team objective. I think this can be a place for you. If you're somebody that doesn't really like, let's say, to compete against his friends, if, if you can call it something like that, or who's not motivated, let's say, if um, if you imagine yourself uh, at the end of the, the, the magnetic board, and you would say like, oh, that would suck to be there, and that wouldn't like actually motivate you to grow up the scale, then I think this may be not an environment where you want to place uh, yourself in. It's always something you want to learn, but if you don't have like uh, that, that inner competitive feeling, I think you're not gonna like uh, feel too well in this environment. But if you do, I think it's gonna be a great, great place to be in. And I think you're gonna be able to reach both, like, like you said, both individual and team accomplishment that will be both great for you. And kind of like the same thing, if you're even like, if the team is able, let's say Blue Jackets win the Stanley Cup, yes, it's going to impact you, your, your team, but you're also going to have your like kind of own Stanley Cup if you reach, um, let's say, sustainability for um, the season ticket holders and you can be so long and have a waiting list just like uh, you you spoke before. Um, so yeah, that that's for that. Um, then following along with the next question, I was wondering maybe what is maybe le- leading to that, maybe leading to a sales objective or not. What is one of the best moments of your career so far? Yeah, I'll take I'll take this away from sports sales for for once here. Um, so one of the things we haven't really talked about is the the cool factor. Um, you know, I love coming to work here at Nationwide Arena every day because I get to be in a hockey arena. 
um, right now I'm standing up on one of our, uh, actually probably about the highest elevation in the building overlooking out in front of me, cool. the arena bowl. And it's just an empty stadium, dead quiet. You could hear a pin drop 18,000 empty seats. And tomorrow night, you know, all these full. seats are going to be filled. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to be rocking. So that's just such a, I mean, a unique, cool opportunity to me. You know, I was, uh, an athlete in high school. I played basketball through high school, um, but by no means did I have a future beyond high school, but I knew I wanted to be connected to sport in some way. And, uh, so I've always kind of had that, that, um, desire to tie in one of my passions with my job because I don't want to wake up every morning and roll my eyes and say, Oh, Oh goodness, here we go. I got to go to work today. You know, listen, it's a job. I don't get me wrong. You know, it's work, it's a job, but never in my time with the blue jackets have I woken up in the morning and said, crap, here we go again. I, you know, drag myself down to the uh-huh. bar, you know, yeah, I'm not, you know, doing jumping jacks excited to come in, but I'm never dreading it. And that's, that's really important. You know, what I, my point is, would I rather be on a beach somewhere? Absolutely. But if I had to come into work every day, this is the, this is the place I want to do it. So, um, there's that cool factor, right. That we get to come to a, a hockey arena every day as our office, uh, to take it a step further, it's really fun to to win uh, as a sales team. It's extra fun when the hockey team is winning too. I was fortunate enough to be part of a Pittsburgh Pirates team that over the past 30 years hasn't been so great, but their best three seasons consecutive seasons were during the time that I was there. Um, and they made the playoffs uh, in the MLB. That's really tough to do to make the playoffs three years in a row. And that happened during my, my time there from 2013 to 2015. So uh, carrying on with that uh, theme, I had the, the privilege of being part of a playoff run, a special little playoff run here in 2019 when the Blue Jackets made the playoffs as the last, the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference and played uh, the President's Cup winner, the Tampa Bay Lightning, who I believe at the time had the best regular season record of all time, or at least they had yes. the most points. E- equal most with points. the Red Wings, I think, in yeah. I don't know which year, but the, the Red Wings with the Yeiserman. Yeah, the Dynasty Red Wings. Yeah. So, yeah, so we were looking at what was tied for the best regular season team in the history of the NHL, and we snuck in as the the last seed. So... Of course, we opened with two games down in Tampa, and the sentiment around the organization was, hey, let's just, you know, and I, I don't speak for the hockey team. I'm speaking for the business side. The business yeah. folks were saying, hey, let's just, let's just steal one out of two. If we can bring this thing back to Columbus with a, with a 1-1 series, maybe we, we can make it a series. And so what did we do? We went down there and we took both games, and we brought it back to Columbus up 2 nothing. And uh, we were lucky to, to uh, at game three and game four were both wins. And not only did we beat, you know, the the best regular season team in the history of the NHL, uh, we swept them in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, so those two home games, game three and game four of the series, were the best sports environment I've ever been a part of. Um, I haven't been to any other playoff sporting events outside of uh, the ones in Pittsburgh. I was at all three of the uh, playoff games or series in Pittsburgh, but the opportunity to be in the building for an NHL first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is by far my best sports memory. 
And you could really feel it. You know, this organization had been to the playoffs a few times, um, but we had never advanced out of the first round of the playoffs. So there was kind of, uh, you know, a, a monkey on the back there that we were hoping to get off. And uh, the, the energy in the building was absolutely electric. I mean, I high-fived 15 strangers around me as a goal. Um, I was losing my voice screaming. My wife, who is a big sports fan, she grew up in Pittsburgh, so she grew up as a Penguins fan, uh, became a Blue Jackets fan during that series. She was, she was here for every game. Um, she wasn't missing nice. it for the world. So it's just cool to see what kind of effect it can have on a community and the people here. Um, you know, we're not a, an old organization. We're young. We've been here in Columbus. Our first season was um, 2000, 2001. It was just over 20 years ago. And, and we have people here still that I work with on a daily basis that have been here since the very beginning. Um, they helped bring the team to Columbus. They helped lay the groundwork and, and get things off the ground from a business standpoint. And someday, and I, I really hope I'm here for it, we're going to win a cup. And I, the first thing I want to do is see the looks on those people's faces because they have been through it all. I mean, uh. they were here before the, before the building even existed, you know, in a satellite office down the road. And those are the types of, th this is why we do what we do. So best sports memory, you know, it was, of course, helping us on the sales side and it was just making work a lot more fun. Um, you know, I, I have a lot of fun here every day, regardless of what happens on the ice. We've had a rocky start to this year. Things have turned around a little bit in the last week, so we're optimistic, but we're still having a lot of fun. We're still doing things the right way, treating people the right way, but it gets a little extra fun when the team on the ice is winning. Winning makes everything better. All of a sudden, the hot dogs are always hot. The beer is always <laughs> cold. There's never a line at the restrooms, right, when you're winning, when you're losing, all of a sudden the hot dogs are cold, the beer is warm, and nobody can find a place to, to use the restroom without a 20-minute wait. So it's funny how that works, but uh, winning cures everything, and it's really fun to be a part of that. And if you're in the industry for long enough and you're with different teams, you're going to experience both. That's just – we know the cycles of sports, right? Even yeah. even if you work for a, a dynasty team, um, you're going to – if you're there long enough, you'll see both the ups and the downs. Yeah, unless you're there like two or three years in the prime of those teams, you're going to have some bad season. And I think that even more in the, the world that we're on today, we have less and less dynasty. Just like if we look at the hockey, Tampa, who you guys beat, but went on after to win two Stanley Cups in 2020 and 2021. Well... We considered them, I guess, uh, or a bit of dynasty, and they, they just won two. And before, the ones that, that won the cup more than two times were, I think, the Islanders in 82-84. I think that's it. So four years in a row. And if we're looking at other sports, too, we don't have a lot, let's say, a team winning the Super Bowl three times in a row. It never happens or never happened. Uh, I'm not sure. What the Warriors did in basketball is huge, but even then, they're, they're kind of like, I don't know how they're going to do this season, but even then, they did so many finals in so many years, but at one point, it's going to fall down. And I think that's just great in general because it shows also... Um, the parity in between the leagues that is way better um, than before and uh, hopefully that's going to help you guys I, I wish you all the best to win a cup and maybe I'd say you, you guys are heading in the right direction I think in the next 
three to five years, you'll be a very good team. And um, I mean, you never know what happens in the playoffs. Um, all right. Um, so after the next question I had is maybe kind of touching the more tougher side, sometimes the business. I was wondering what was uh, maybe one of your toughest moment and how did you get through it? You can talk specifically in the business or not if you want kind of like the the other example but uh, I, i'm just looking for maybe uh, something that could maybe inspire the audience with some resilience uh, that you had yeah i think um you know the easy answer here is just uh the covid period you know we had mm. um our our job is very dependent on having big crowds and the nhl specifically in fact relies very heavily on ticket sales um, to bring revenue into the organization. Probably, in my guess, probably more so than the other major sports leagues in the U.S. Uh -huh. You know, the NFL, MLB, NBA, they have large TV contracts. They have league-wide sponsorship deals. I don't believe those leagues are as concerned as getting fans in the building and having big crowds as the NHL is. The deal with ESPN has certainly helped, and that was a big moment for our league to get some more reach across the country and the world. Um, but having big crowds is is super crucial for us to generate revenue and continue to, to turn out a, a good product. So, you know, when we could not have fans in our building, that was super impactful for all sports teams. But I think the NHL specifically may may have been hit harder than some others because of that. And, you know, we had some employees affected by that and we had, um, you know, our bottom line affected by that. And that was really challenging. So, you know, there were a lot of moments there when I had to look internally. And I think this is true for any hardship you face in the sports industry, not necessarily a COVID or a pandemic type of situation, but you have to look at it a bit more long term. And it's kind of how I talked about looking internally at the characteristics of myself when I was looking for my career. I, I had to look in at the characteristics of my organization and make the decision if, if this industry and this organization is somewhere that I can see myself long term, or if it was time, you know, for financially more than anything, did, did I need to leave the industry or, you know, make the decision to look for something that would be more financially stable throughout a pandemic, basically. And the magic about the Blue Jackets is that they have consistently in my four years here put employees first. It's a first-class organization. They have a great reputation. Our ownership group has a great reputation. And, and they uh -huh. did prior to, they have a business here in Columbus. And that, that industry or that business had a stellar reputation as a great place to work prior to even the Blue Jackets coming to Columbus. So those types of things are, were reasons that made me want to stick around and, and try to see it out. Um, it's it's really important to do a, a an examination a deep dive of the organizational values before you take a position and certainly when you're thinking about your long-term fit there and just as i valued in the coworkers and the organization at the pirates i have those same values here in columbus where i want to make sure i'm looked at as a person i have value i have the opportunity to add value And I'm not looked at as just a number or a piece of machine, you know, a piece that just gets added to the machine that generates the revenue, right? Like if my, if I, 
I had an emergency or my wife had an emergency and I needed to take some time off to take care of that. How does the organization respond? Is it a, uh, okay, go do what you got to do, but mm, you know, we're going to really, Be we're going to really be hurting without you. Like yeah. Right. Right. Or is it just a, Hey, go do what you got to do. We got you. We'll take care of you. Right. Like little things like that is where you can see it. And so when we came out of the pandemic, my beliefs and my, I, you know, I took a bit of a gamble, but I, I felt like the organization was going to do the right thing. And when we came back from the pandemic, the first thing that the organization did when they had, you know, the means to do so was bring back any folks that had, you know, had to leave the organization in the interim while um, times were tough. Um, they hired every position that we possibly could to get us staffed back up. They reinstated any benefits that you know, we may have had to lose because of the pandemic. Um, it was all people first. You know, it wasn't sign a big free agent, repair the scoreboard, you know, put up a new whatever. You know, it wasn't um, uh, materialistic. It was very human focused. And they're talking, you know, they were focusing on their human capital. And that's that's action speaking louder than words. That's an organization taking care of their people first. And every organization is going to tell you that they have these values and philosophies, but it's, you've got to back it up with action, action, speak louder yeah. than words. And that, that was when the actions came into play. And I said, okay, now you've talked the talk blue jackets, but now I'm really seeing it in action. <laughs> that was a very, very impactful moment for me. So yeah, I mean, easy answer, right. To lean on the, the COVID pandemic, but uh, as a bigger symbol for the way that the blue jackets treat people, it really was a, a I'm happy I made it through and grinded it out and took the took the gamble because it really paid off. And we came out of it a lot stronger, I think, that we went into it. We learned a lot and um, I, I learned, you know, the organization's values and, and, and felt really good about my decisions. So it was a, it was a struggle for obvious reasons, not having a building and not having a product essentially for a year, but um, worth it in the end. Yeah, but I think this is perfect because you, you grew out of it and that's the that's the thing you want to do, right? You always want to grow and you want to learn from your mistakes. So I think you guys had, uh, had yeah, I think you guys had this uh, beautifully. And I'm so grateful for your time. We're slowly on the, on the few last questions. So I was wondering, what is maybe one strategy that you're going to do if you have somebody that you're trying to convince to maybe pass from having a flex package to full season or a one game package to a flex like six or eight game package what is maybe something i could give the audience um that you have coming from your department maybe a specific strategy or something that you'd like to uh, an approach something that you like to tell the customer something like that yeah yeah really simple i'll keep it broad rather than getting into really tactical things but It's so important to provide flexibility at, at all points of, you know, your sales process. So we have a lot of mechanisms for flexibility here in Columbus uh, for our buyers of season tickets. Um, we have built in as a benefit for season ticket holders. You're not locked into any of the games in your plan. You have the ability to trade a certain number, depending on what package you have. A certain number of your games can be swapped into other games. And that can be done right up until 24 hours prior to the game. So if you learn, you know, a day before or a week before that something came up and you can't make it, no problem. We have things built in to swap, you know, and get you new tickets to a new game. 
um, we have payment plans available for all of our season ticket plans. So financially, you know, if it's difficult for you to pay for your season tickets up front, we allow you to spread it out over several months to make things easier for you. Um, and really, you know, those are just those are just the built-in advertised mechanisms. We really believe, you know, listen, we are we're not the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we're not the Boston Bruins, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, we do not have a trophy case full of Eastern Conference champions, Stanley Cup champions. We have we just last year put our first jersey in the rafters, number sixty-one, Rick Nash. You know, we've been around for twenty-one years. Um, we're just we're we're still getting our footing in the league as a team and we're getting there and we're, you know, it sounds like you agree, you know, we have a really bright future and we're, we're excited, really excited for what we're doing on the ice um, and what should happen in the next, you know, three to five years, but the history just isn't there yet. And so I can't just point to the trophy case and say, Hey, that's why you should buy season tickets. You know, I can't just point to the jerseys and the rafters like the Red Wings and say, you know, Hey, look at the history, the tradition. So we really have to work with people. We're, we're very flexible. We're human. We're reasonable. We're logical. If there's something that will help you get on board that is within our means, we're happy to do it. You know, if it's going to take an autograph puck for your son or daughter uh, and their favorite player to get it done, we'll do it. And if we have it, we'll do it. Um, if it's an extra ticket trade beyond what's allowed by the rules in your plan, we'll do it. You know, if we have the seats available, we'll do it. Uh, if you need, you know, if, if you get a season ticket plan that's mostly weekdays, but you need to swap some of them into weekends, if we have the seats available, we'll do it. So we really, we really focus on having a say yes to the customer mentality. Again, it has to be within reason. You know, we're not going to go, uh, we're not going to give everybody a free trip to Disney World uh, for signing up for season tickets. It has to be within our means. But if it's something we have access to and it's a reasonable ask and it help start the relationship off on the right foot, then we're absolutely going to do it. Though That mentality is what helps get people from a six-game plan to an eight-game plan or an eight-game plan to a quarter season. Um, just being there and ready and willing to help. The most important, the thing you need for any of this is to have people here that you have the relationship with. So every single one of our season ticket holders, we have thousands, they have a human being here at Nationwide Arena that they can call, text, or email during regular business hours, and they will get a response within one business day. That is a very rare, I think, touch that maybe you're, you won't see in other industries. You know, I can think of one off the top of my head um, that's common is a financial advisor, right? If you need to get in touch with your financial advisor, you need to move some money around, you typically have a pretty good relationship with them. You've probably met them in person a few times. That's one thing, but you know, you need to get your, your doctor. Car it's not gonna happen. Sure, um, you you need to get your car repaired. You gotta just call them and whoever is available, or you make an appointment, right? Um, those those type. You need to pick up food. You don't text your guy at yeah. Whole Foods or Kroger. You know, you just so. I think our business having that human element and that one person that manages your account and knows you really well um, that you can reach easily is is super important and so you you need to put those two together right you have to have the flexibility and then you have to have the human being on the other side that has the real human face to the name type of an element to your relationship to go ahead and execute those things
Yeah, great stuff. Um, all right, so we'll finish it with a question from the public. So Alexa had the question of what advice would you give to a young individual that is trying to follow your step that wants to make a career specifically in sales? We, we spoke a bit before with the, the key components, but maybe something to more start off the bat. Yeah, I would say when you, if you're looking for sales specifically, and you're at least giving it a shot and giving, you know, trying that out, make sure to have things on your resume that show that you've dealt with people face to face. Sure. And in a perfect world, it would be, you know, a sales related thing, right? So maybe you did an internship in sales. Uh, maybe you've worked in, you know, insurance sales or retail sales, those types of things. That's great if you can throw the sales number word on there and, and have some numbers associated with it to show how much you've generated or what type of what numbers you've helped contribute to. But um, I understand and I get that it's not it's not always that easy. You know, it's like, how do I get it's like you, you, we didn't hire you because you don't have enough, enough experience. Well, nobody will hire me, so I can't get the experience. Right. It's like that, uh-huh. like that, <laughs> that cycle. Because we're constantly looking for entry level folks, and we know that it's not everybody out there is going to have sales experience. The jobs that we hire for are the TS, the ticket sales consultant position. I don't expect people to have sales experience necessarily, but I do expect them to have some type of face to face interaction with customers. So I'm looking right. for folks that have worked in service industries, so food service. You've been a bartender or a server. You've worked Customer at Chipotle. Service. Yeah, you've worked a customer service desk. You've worked um, guest relations places. And it doesn't have to be in sports. Just show me on paper that you've had to deal with conflicts. You've had to think on your feet. You've had to be creative. And you had to do it in a human being face-to-face setting because that's where all of our 90% of our new sales, the folks that we're bringing in as season ticket holders for the first time, 90% of that, at least with the Blue Jackets, happens in person. So they're at events, they're at games, they're at private appointments. It's a lot like buying a car. You rarely, maybe 10% of the time, is somebody going to go buy a car without ever test driving it. You've got to go to the dealership and just talk to somebody. You've got to feel it out. You've got to sit in the Uh car. You've got to look at the finishes. You've got to drive it. Um, sports seats are the same exact way. You're not going to buy season tickets for a Blue Jackets if you haven't at least checked Seen out the seats game. or been to a game and then talk to an expert because there's a lot more that goes into it than people realize. This is not 1995 where you just get your two seats or your four seats and that's your season ticket plan. You just show up and watch the game and that's that. Included with all of our season ticket memberships is access to events, discounts for food and food and beverage and concessions, team Uh store discount, um, the ticket trades, the payment plans. Like there's a lot that goes into it. It takes at least 30 minutes sitting down with one of our experts to understand what goes into being a season ticket holder with us and all the value that's included with it. So that 90% of the time is happening face-to-face or it's a Zoom call or a phone call or a big long exchange of emails over the course of a week. So I want to see folks that have that type of experience. So My advice for anybody that's considering a a career in sales in general, not even sports sales, is just get some experience, whether it's a job, volunteer, or internship, where you're dealing with people face-to-face and you have to think on your feet and you have to be creative and you have to problem solve. One of my 
most valuable experiences that I still to this day look back on was I worked in an Italian restaurant first as a pizza delivery driver, then as a cook. Um, and I had some experience as a server in, in at the same place. And constantly I was having to think in that way of dealing with customers, thinking on my feet, problem solving, uh, and doing it with a, with a person right in front of me at the deli counter. Those type of experiences to this day still tie back in, you know, 10 years later. And I still, I still lean on those skills. So no experience is too little, but I would challenge you to, to load up your resume with as much of that as you can. It'll, it'll really pay off and it'll help you understand too, if it's a, if it's a fit for you, if you hate it, maybe sales isn't for you and that's okay, but you'll never know unless you go try. Yeah, for sure. All right. So that's the end of the episode, guys. Remember all of those advice. If you want to maybe re-listen to it carefully to pick points some advice, take some notes, I invite you to do so. Thank you, Nate, for being here. It was a pleasure to have you and I'll see you guys uh, in the next episode. Bye, guys. Bye.